Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this week's episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. I'm Josh Hyam. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on iTunes or on SoundCloud. Get it automatically. If you use the Stitcher app, we're there too. So you can search us there. You can like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. You can follow the show on Twitter at MyFirstSketch or email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com. Philly Sketchfest is quickly approaching April 19th to the 23rd between the Sketch Comedy Film Festival and four days of live comedy. There are, by my count, 14 events with 37 acts with groups from North Carolina, Montreal, Toronto, Chicago, and New York, not to mention the best of Philadelphia. Tickets are available at TicketFly.com. Just search the keyword Philly Sketchfest. Now, with all of those events, we are looking for volunteers. If you have a free night or two between April 20th and 23rd and want to help out, head to phillysketchfest.com and fill out the Google form. One of the things that I want to do with this podcast, especially when I talk about comedy in Philly, is get outside the bubble of Fit or Good Good or Philly Sketchfest and eliminate a bit of the history of the sketch comedy elsewhere in the city. So I sent a group email to the waitstaff, which brings us to... Today's guest is Eric Single, currently a member of The Waitstaff. His first sketch was written in 2009 and plays with the idea of Hillary Clinton heading to Barack Obama's inaugural ball. It's a bit meta. So Alyssa Truskowski plays Jerry as the actress playing Hillary Rodham Clinton. Eric Single plays another cast member interrupting the sketch. I give the stage direction and all three of us play a couple little extra roles with cameos and group shouting. So let's go to the sketch. Two chairs side by side. Hillary Clinton sits in one of them. She is elegantly dressed for a formal event. She is drinking either from a flask or a series of those airplane-sized liquor bottles. You know, the kind you get on airplanes, not as big as airplanes. Hail to the chief will play. Uh, Hillary pulls out her phone and dials it. Hello? Hello, who's this? What do you mean? Who's this? This is Hillary. Hillary Clinton. Hillary goddamn Rodham Clinton. Democratic senator from New York and soon to be secretary of state for (laughs) President Barack Obama. Bill? Hill. Are you trying to humiliate me? What do you mean, what do I mean? I'm in a limo on my way to... Obama's inaugural ball, and you're somewhere else diddling Bambi, and probably Bambi's mother. How do you know she's dead? That's not funny. Well, okay, it's a little funny. But back to the point, the point being, who the hell am I supposed to dance with? Bill, other than the Queen of England, I am possibly the whitest woman you know, and you have seen me dance. Nobody needs to see me dance by myself at a televised event. I don't trust these spanks to hold all that together. Another man enters the scene in some way that violates that we're in a limo. Jerry. Whatever happened to the good old days of Playtex living girls? Jerry. Oh my God, I've worked all my life to become a secretary. A secretary, for Christ's sakes. I'm a junior senator having a senior moment. Jerry! Jerry, now we've talked about this. We can't be doing Hillary Clinton sketches anymore because Hillary Clinton is virtually irrelevant to comedy. I am Hillary goddamn Rodham Clinton. 
Also, I'm in a sketch comedy, comedy sketch, and you have violated the parameters of my sketch comedy, comedy sketch, stretch limousine. Yes. Well, Hillary Clinton is going to be Secretary of State, and there's no comedy to be gotten out of being Secretary of State. I mean, who the hell can even name a recent Secretary of State? Condoleezza Rice. And what about the brilliant sketch I wrote where Condoleezza Rice and Bush were fucking lemurs in Nepal? And did we ever do that sketch? No. And do you know why? Because you don't like me. Well, yeah, Jerry, we don't. But that's not the reason. Condoleezza Rice and Bush fucking lemurs in Nepal is a hysterical concept. But we are the whitest sketch comedy group in the history of sketch comedy groups, and there's no way we can do political shit during a black presidency. I'm white. I'm white. I'm not white, but I play white on TV. Why can't we do political shit during a black presidency? Because none of us is black. We're not? Who knew? Deep. Wait a minute. What? 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 What's with all... What is all this negativity? It is time to roll up our sleeves. It is time to be the change we want to see. It's time to say, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can do Hillary Clinton sketches. Yes, we can. Yes, we can mock Barack Obama. Yes, we can. Yes, we can wear blackface to carry a joke. No, we can't. It's immoral. And illegal. And just plain wrong. You know, funny thing about that blackface is a legal idea. I was doing some research on the very subject online this week, and it turns out that's an urban legend. There is not a single state in this country where blackface is illegal. There's a long pause where they all look at her disbelievingly. Hey, we missed our chance to do a Martin Luther King Day themed show, but you know what? What? February is Black History Month. My Michelle Obama is going to kill. And I am solid. Solid as Barack. Finally, we can do that George Washington Carver sketch I've always been meaning to write. Found a peanut, found a peanut, found a peanut just now. I'm Hillary goddamn Rodham Clinton, and I approve this message. Hey, Eric. Hey, uh, so where did this come from? Where did this come from? Um, this was my, actually my second show with <gasps> staff. Okay. Are you okay? <laughs> it's not the first. No, the first show was it was a, an abnormal waitstaff show. Um, none of the regular waitstaff members were around and able to do the show. It was the Fringe show of 2008. Okay. And so what they did was had a bunch of people come in and do comedic monologues. Mm -hmm. And I was the MC for that evening. Okay. So that was sort of off the beaten path waitstaff show. So this was my first normal waitstaff show that that was going on. All right. So tell me a little bit about the waitstaff because I know almost nothing about them. (laughs) The waitstaff started, and I'm going to get all of these dates and times wrong because I was not there when it started. Well, that's fine because you're the only person on the wait. I sent a mass email to the entirety of the waitstaff, and you're the one that responded, so you have to speak (laughs) for them. whatever I say goes, waitstaff. Yeah, you are waitstaff gospel at this point. (laughs) Um, The waitstaff started out somewhere in the beginning of the 2000s. I'm not entirely sure when. There were... All numbers, all about, probably 16 people in the troop at that point. 
Um, a lot of people had a more of a, were more on the writing side. A lot mm -hmm. of people were more on the performing side, but everybody did everything. And for quite some time, they did an original hour to hour and a half sketch comedy show once a month. Now, that sounds very daunting. I know it's not atypical because I know like the groundlings do that and well, the Groundlings are the, the major ones because they do weekly, like, hour. So, but, like, even now, just thinking about getting together with the same group of people every month and doing a new show and a new hour or so, that's it's too much. Lot. That's a lot, yeah. And these these are all people, of course, who have daytime yeah, gigs. Yeah, because this is... This, and, and, the waitstaff would not the be the full-time job. The waitstaff was not paying anybody's mortgage. No, no. which <laughs> makes me even just, like, more scatterbrained thinking about it. Uh, so... So you mentioned this monologue show that you were the MC of and then joining the troupe. Then I, I got to join the troupe. 2008, 2009-ish. Yeah. Right. So January of 2009 was the first show that I actually worked in, or the first sketch comedy show that I really worked in with mm -hmm. them. Um, and in terms of writing stuff, still everybody writes. Uh, the group by this point was down to six people okay. with a few hangers on fl floating around the edges of it. Um and the, the Hillary Clinton sketch that we just did was the opener that I wrote for the sketch, or for the show. Um, and there are six characters in it because we did it as an all skate, you know, yeah. put everybody in it so that yeah, it set uh, off the, it was the opener for the evening. Uh, so, you, and you've been full-time waitstaff since basically like for yeah. whatever shows you guys are doing. I know you're not as active as waitstaff once was we are certainly not doing a show every month no no uh, um for a while there at the beginning we were doing probably four shows a year and during your time where were they've been like uh we've worked at the world cafe live we've worked at helium we do a lot of work at latage now mm -hmm. um we have performed in every single fringe since i'm making this up but i want to say 2003 yeah um and that's that's one of our big successful shows every year. And I'm trying to remember. I think I, it might have been before your time, just before your time. But the waitstaff were definitely in the first Philly Sketchfest, and a they couple they did a few Sketchfests. I, I would, I don't think if if I was in one, it was one. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, because I know the first couple of years that they, yeah, they were involved. Um, so where. How do you get to the waitstaff? How do you? I mean, you mentioned that you do other theater. Like, how did you oh, find yeah. out my about? My background how did is, you? is totally in theater, and my friend Jerry, mm -hmm. who played Hillary Clinton in in this sketch, um, we've been friends for years pr prior to the waitstaff okay. coming about. And she, I don't know how she got into the waitstaff, but she was in the waitstaff, and when they had an opening. She said that she I went to you to be in the waitstaff. Okay, that's so. <laughs> easy enough. Um, so, what's your performance history before the waitstaff? Like, well, my and it continues. I mean, I I also still oh, yeah. do theater still, yeah. now. So you know, I'm I've done theater all over most of the little theaters in in town, mm -hmm. not any of the big right. You know, no, none of your Wilmas and your Ardens and all that. But, but you know, there's the little the little ones. Like there's I know there's one in media. There's one in uh. Yeah, there's a lot of little yeah, things there. So um, if, if they've got a dollar, I've got a talent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what drew you to doing sketch comedy? I mean, Jerry reaches out and says, hey, 
come join us. She said, well, it sounded like fun. And I yeah. was by that point starting to create my own work anyway, you know, writing mm-hmm. my own stuff anyway, which was, it took me years to get around to that. I don't know why. Um, so that, that it's, you know, that was very attractive. And also the fact that it's a money-making venture, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, you know, uh, what, what kind of comedy were you into growing up? Like, what were, what made you laugh growing up? Um, old SNL, mm. um, all the sitcoms of the day. I can't even think, you know, to name names at this point. But uh, I ask everybody when we talk about Saturday Night Live because you know Saturday Night Live is probably everyone's first entry to sketch comedy, sure. at least as a. Um, who would be your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? been so many yep there have (laughs) pick one pick one (laughs) i would i would have to go old school and say gilda Mm -hmm. um any particular reason why um well for for saturday night live to begin with but then also like i I wore out her the uh recording of her one woman show uh the the gilda live or is that what it's called yeah um yeah, I don't think I've ever seen the Guild alive because, well, she died like two months, two years after I was born. Like, if, <laughs> if we want to age myself. Okay, and, we're not going there. <laughs> and, and annoy everyone else. Um, but yeah, like she seemed to be like, she she really seemed to be like the first superstar, like the female of the female group, of the female three of the original cast. She was the first one that was really big. Right. Uh, I know Jane Curtin had kids and disappeared for a little bit and then got into like the, the sitcom right. pipeline with Kate and Allie, right? Is it Kate and Allie? Kate and Allie. And, and, and then, then the third other rock weather, third rock. Yeah. Uh, Lorraine Newman. Lost her mind. Or she did. She, she did. A, like, and then she started doing like voice acting and all that stuff. Because when you listen to her talk about comedy now, she, I remember famously in one of the, the, the talking head, like documentary pieces that, she never wanted to repeat a character. She wanted to show everyone how many characters she could do, even though a lot of them were the same voice, just in a different wig. Or, uh, but Gilda seemed like a superstar, even to a point where there's like a myth to her, and maybe just, maybe partially because she died young, partially. But everything. even that, notwithstanding, there just was something about you. Just got such a feeling from her mm. that. And there were many, many, many people on that show and many people elsewhere that are funny as hell. Mm -hmm. But you just got a sense from her that she was just a a really good person. Mm -hmm. You know, that that there was Uh, just something about her. And then you have characters like Emily Latella, um, Roseanne Rosanna Dana, and like all these other things that are just so different than what other people do. I I mentioned this before, like, because I'm a huge Saturday Night Live nerd and I've seen like every documentary or everything Mm -hmm. about them. Uh, one of the, I think it was Lorraine told Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon later, like, don't worry what you look like on, on the show, you know, make yourself look like the goof, do whatever it takes to be funny. Cause you can look pretty at the end, which like has a kind of horrible, like feminist twinge to it. But at the same time, like when you don't have, uh, the reservation of what you look like or trying to be the pretty one to be funny, like it gives you a whole nother avenue to keep going. Like, even though those three original were actually really gorgeous, beautiful people. Oh yeah, absolutely. And extremely funny as well. With 
So what gets you into performing? Like, in general, like, did you go to school to perform? Like, did you? I did not. I've, I've learned everything that I know in the school of life. What was the first show that you did, like, professionally? Professionally? God. Um... think now like where I crossed that line or even the first like your first real experience like and I don't want to be like I don't want to say like high school plays don't matter or no 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 I know college plays don't matter but the but first like, thing out of uh, yeah like out of that realm uh, that I do know it was I was Charlie Brown and you're a good man Charlie Brown okay uh the only thing I know about that show is just one person like and I only know that song right that's is that from good, per- good man Charlie Brown or is that from one of the Charlie Brown specials uh, I'm, I'm and the only reason I know that song is uh, it was sang at Jim Henson's funeral. They sang it, and all the Muppet performers brought out their favorite Muppet to sing with them. Like, this is a really beautiful moment. At the, I could have sworn someone that play. Let me look it up to double check. So I'm not, so I'm I'm not, not sure t- what you're talking about. <laughs> so, or maybe it's not what even it's called. I mean. Do, 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 do. All of this will be edited out. <laughs> okay, it's from Snoopy the Musical, not from... Good ah, Snoopy the Musical. Which, I don't know. Whatever that. that is. All right, so never mind. That's all just me being stupid. Um, okay, so Good Man Charlie Brown, which I've never seen. What were you... Tra- did you say you're Charlie, Charlie Brown, Brown, yeah. Uh, how did you... Okay, how do you get the lead in, like... You audition. <laughs> <laughs> Because I always imagine that was—I mean—that was totally cold. I walked into a situation. I—I I had directed the show in college, okay, um, so I knew the show really well, and I heard this group of people were doing it, and I was—you know—I was then out of school. I had a day job in the corporate world, and I was like, I got to do something mm-hmm. artistic, or I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. So I went to an audition. It was the coldest thing in the universe because I literally knew no one in the community. I didn't know anybody in the room. Was I it here in Philly? Or? Oh, yeah, it was here okay. in Philly. And I auditioned, and, and I got Charlie Brown. Because I always expect people's like first like, scene to be like, yeah, I was just swing. I was just there. like, Or like a minor role. So to get that first big thing to be <laughs> the lead is like, all right, good for you. Um <laughs> Now, as a performer, do you have like a favorite show that? Whatever show I'm doing now, it's there's nothing like yeah, historically there's, there's, that, or is there a uh, a show that you want to do, or a role that you want to do? There probably is if I sat and thought about it, but it's not. There's no burning. Oh, I've got to do this or that. I'll I'll, t- I'll take whatever work somebody so has not, for me. It's not like you have to play and f- find. You won't about feel it. fulfilled until you play King Lear or like. I no. Because <laughs> I've heard that, that with a couple of like British Shakespearean expert a- actors that Shakespeare. I mean, King Lear is like the grail the thing, for yeah. them to do. Um, all right. So how do you balance being? legitimate theater and sketch comedy like I, I don't see a difference you don't I, I don't well I mean sketch comedy you're making things in shorter time mm. that's all but it's the same work to me yeah I mean it's not uh, well because because pieces that I, I write and pieces that I find funny in sketch comedy are very character based okay for example Hillary in this sketch yeah. 
it, it, it's got nothing to do with her Hillary Clinton-ness. It's got to do with that she lost out a position that she wanted and now has yeah. to go work for the guy that got the position that she wanted. Right. Which so is that's it's character. And outside of it being the president and secretary of state, that's still an emotion that a lot of us could right. relate can to identify yeah. with that. Um, the one thing I know about the wait staff, uh, is the, uh, what is it? Real housewives of South the real Philly. housewives of South Philly. Yes. Um, were, is this, were you involved in that time? Like, I don't know exactly when that I started. Was, as a matter of fact, I directed that, the show that they first appeared in, which would have been shortly after this show. Sometime okay. the, in the year 2009, I want to say. I feel like it was spring, but I'm probably pulling that out of my ass. Um, and I directed that show. I wasn't in that show. I forget why. I might have been performing in something else, so mm. I directed the show, but I didn't appear in it. And Sarah Carano, who is a very talented writer and performer with the wait staff, uh, came to us with this sketch with these these real housewives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she she had written this sketch of the these women sitting in their house coats and curlers on their stoops in in South Philly, mm-hmm. and she called it the Real Housewives of South Philly, yeah. and it was it was just one of the funniest things anybody had ever seen. Because I don't remember which one I saw. There's a there's a video of like a 10-minute clip online, probably on wait, the wait staff's official YouTube or website or whatever. Mm. And it's at it's clearly at the Helium, which I can't see as a really good stage to do sketch on because it just feels so narrow and cramped to me. Uh, but it's riotous. Like, oh, the yeah. crowd's totally into it. Like... Um, yeah, well, we, we started bringing them back. If they didn't come back in the very next show, they came back the show after that. Okay. And Is there a lot of recurring characters within the wait staff? There are. Uh, there, there are a lot of recurring sketches at this point, too. Okay. Um, the Real Housewives recur. Uh, speaking of Jesus, I do, Je- <laughs> I do Jesus and we do Jesus and Mary. You did Jesus at the, the, the match game. Yes. In December, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, Jesus plays the match game, uh, but Jesus and Mary, um, we did the first time Jesus appeared. Je- uh, Mary, Mag- like J- uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, Ma- or Mary, Mary the, the mother. mother? Okay. Um, Mrs. Mary, Mother of God, right. to give her her real name. Um, <laughs> I, again, I'm so bad on time, but at some point there was a Christmas show. Uh, had to, no, it had to have been Christmas of the year, the same year that this happened. So it had to be Christmas of two thousand nine. Okay. And I had this idea. I said, "What if what if the show's called a surprise party for Jesus, a okay. surprise birthday party for Jesus?" So we do. We frequently do a runner sketch. You know where it's, it starts. It starts the show off, happens again in the middle, and then happens to close the sure. thing out, so you can tell more of a story. So the story for that. Uh, for the runner for that show was that Jesus' friends were trying to throw him a surprise birthday party, and how mm-hmm. can you do that when he knows everything? Right. You know. Like, it sounds blasphemous enough to annoy my family. Right, but yeah. Well, it would, yeah it would <laughs> innocent enough to me. Like... Religious people, but we <laughs> try to keep them, you know. Not completely so irrelevant. Not horrifying like... everyone in the room. But that was, that worked out very well. That was a very successful evening, and we've brought Jesus and Mary back a number of times since, because what they what they really are, if you boil them down, is this vaudevillian 
she's like this old Jewish mother type mm-hmm. doing the the you know the borscht belt sure. shtick, and he's sort of straight manning and setting her up for all these jokes. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's really what's going on in the sketches. But they come back and and you can put them anywhere. Right. In the most recent uh, our most recent Fringe Festival show, which was called uh, the Waitstaff Making the Fringe Great Again. Mm-hmm. Jesus and Mary had a talk radio show. Okay. Uh, And they wound up interviewing Melania Trump. I was about to say, with those two characters, there's a, there's, I mean, not that any other characters don't do this, but with Jesus and Mary, you can make statements about the current time, whether they be political, like that's, it's a great character to point out hypocrisy or like, Like, there's a, I don't like, I'm trying to remember what, there's a certain trope of like, it might even be a meme at this point where she's just like, yeah, I've never said any of those things. Like, (laughs) don't put those things in my mouth. Like, which you you can do throughout all various comedy things. Like, it's still, you know, people people use Jesus' name to do all kinds of horrible, like, awful things. Uh, Are there any other characters... That the wait staff generally employ, um, the Real Housewives and Jesus and Mary are the two big ones. There's a a Russian character that a really funny guy named Jim Boyle does called Yuri, mm-hmm. and he's essentially he's a fish out of water, is what he you know wherever right. you put him, he never knows what's going on or what you know what's happening. Sure. So he's he's come back a number of times, and and Jim Boyle, whom I just mentioned, and Chris McGovern who are the other two men in the troupe right now, also do a, a sort of dude and bro sketch mm-hmm. where they, you know, they're, they're at a bar going on and on and on about their non-existent love lives sure. and, and all that stuff. And we've had them come back a couple of times, but they they don't have as much of an identity. They're just sort Outside of, of dude and bro. The dude and bro guy. Uh, so what's the current makeup of the waitstaff? Like, Jer- Jerry's the... Like I don't know, what, I don't want to say she's in charge, but like, she's been there since basically day one, right? She's well, no, uh, um, she has been. I don't know if she was there at the very, very beginning. Um, Jim Boyle and Chris McGovern, whom I just mentioned, were in at the very beginning. Of okay. It. And if Jerry came along after that, it was very shortly after that. Sarah Carano, who's still involved, came a little bit after that. And as I say, at this time, there were all these people in and out and in and out and in and out. Um, now, basically, those four that I just mentioned and myself, and then a really, really uh, a tech guy named Brian McMen- Ryan McMenamin, who's really a great mm-hmm. tech person. Pretty so much, it's pretty much the makeup. Down five, the five to it's six. Five point or six permanent. folks. Yeah. Um, I, don't know, I don't know why the wait staff fascinate me. Fascinates me so much. Whenever we're mythic, (laughs) like I don't know. When I got into comedy in in the city, it was all fit. It was all it was either fit for sketch or improv. And then Helium had just opened up uh, as stand up. Like, but whenever there was other sketch comedy, like there was a group, uh, High Drama, who did a a fairly regular show in Fishtown. Mm -hmm. But when I've talked to members of them, I've mentioned that like. Fishtown seemed like a world away from what we were doing at Fit or what what was happening right. at Fit. Like, so any other group that exists outside the auspices of those regular alternative spots 
just feels just bizarre to me that like <laughs> there's comedy somewhere well, else. And, like, yeah, the, and the wait staff predates fit. So, yeah, they know. do absolutely. And, um, and I've also fit is is a well-oiled machine at this it's, point. I mean, it's they're, they're there, yeah. Grinding out all sorts of classes and. Uh, I've heard and that, and that you've mentioned classes and segueing. I've heard that Jerry does a sketch comedy class at Drexel. She does. And that you have either sat in to help or... I've been uh, since... I want to probably since 2008, 2009. Uh, it happens... It only happens... Drexel's on quarters and it only happens one quarter out of the year. So I've been going to almost every class. Yeah, I've been sort of assisting her with, with that. Okay, I went to a, a Christian college that I was studying film there, but I would have killed to have a sketch comedy <laughs> class in college. And I think most everyone else that I've ever talked to would agree with that. Like, like Temple has a uh, smash, which is their on campus comedy show. Mm. And there's, uh, I know Penn has the bloomer. So tell me about this college class of sketch comedy. Well, it's, it's, it's a really fun class, first of all. I'd, I'd hope so. Uh, yeah, well, it is. And, and because, well, Drexel, of course, has no, um, no theater major, no performance major. If, okay. the, if the kids there are studying to do something in the entertainment industry, it's to be a, you know, like a filmmaker or sure. a, some behind-the-scenes business person or whatever. They, they, don't, they can't major in, in performance mm-hmm. of any kind. So the, the so these kids are taking this as an elective, and you know you get these engineering students with their slide rules and, sure, know, yeah. and nuclear physics and this and that, and once a week they're coming in here to blow off steam and and have pie fights and stuff. So uh, it's is, really is really good. The class to perform, or is it like a like a broad history of sketch comedy? Like oh no, it's not historical. The the point of it is that by the end of the ten week term these kids will have split in there's probably 15 of them in a class they're split split into two or three groups and they will have written and be able to perform a 15 to 20 minute sketch set and do they and they do huh that sounds fun it oh it's it's great fun (laughs) yeah and i mean the kid the kids are very savvy these days because of them you know they're because they're exposed to it sure. on TV. All it, yeah. the only thing you have to talk them out of is, well, yeah, you can't cut away to that yeah. because you're doing live. You, you have know? to, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so we've talked about briefly, you know, performing and stuff. So why comedy? What? Why is the wait staff still kept hold of you for the last roughly ten years, almost? Like, I, I, it wouldn't occur to me not to go do that. I mean, you know, now there there have been shows that I haven't been able to do because I'm doing something mm-hmm. else, of course. But I wouldn't stop doing that. I mean, there's nothing more wonderful. I mean, there's nothing greater than to be able to make people laugh. Yeah. If you can make them cry, that's nice. But then you should make them laugh out after <laughs> that because, you know, or one or the other. No, it, it's 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 just a thrill to be able to do it. I mean. Mm-hmm. You know, and particularly with original material, that 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 really feels incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then, my final question generally is: uh, You've been doing this for a while, and you've been performing for a while. Is there a piece of advice that you can give to a new comedy writer, someone, something that you've learned from doing comedy that you could pass on? 
in terms of performing, I would say you just have you have to have to have to be ready to make the biggest fool of yourself, and you have to be ready to fail. Yeah. If you're not willing to fail, then just sit down and <laughs> don't bother because you know th things are not going to hit. No. Things are not going to go. But until you know what goes and what doesn't go, you have to be ready to fail. In terms of writing, I would say, you, uh, unless you're sitting there writing, as she is right now, <laughs> <laughs> you're not a writer. You're, you're only a writer when you're writing, so sit down and write. Yeah, that's something It doesn't that matter what comes out. You know, 90% of it's going to be crap anyway. So it, it, the more you write, the more 10% you have. Yeah, that's... That's something that I always need to tell myself that I always need to have something writing because like I can call myself a writer, but my output is like uh, like anemic. It's awful. Like why? Well, and Jerry says this at the beginning of every one of the sketch comedy classes. She says, "I cannot grade you on whether your stuff is funny or not. That would not be fair or right." Okay. Because you know, to her, it might be funny to her, and you know, might be right. funny to the kid, but not funny to her. That doesn't mean it's no good. It just means it's not funny to her. Sure. So she says, I can only grade you on the fact that you have to turn in three sketches on this week, this week, and this week. So, so turn so it in. So give them to me. <laughs> and then I back her up with, and you know how you write a sketch? Don't walk around waiting for inspiration to hit, because that ain't going to happen. No. Sit down with a pen in your hand or sit down with your computer open and start making words come out, because the more words you have the closer you are to a sketch. That's, uh, I forget who it was, but someone told me, like when I asked that question to someone else, they're like, overwrite, like start with a lot because you can always cut down and, and kill and kill and kill. Oh, well, that's my big thing. My, as you can see by this, because I, I never did find any of the edited versions of this. That's right. You said this, this was like a first this draft a original. This like, this thing. And I know it was cut. I don't think the, the back and forth to the end was cut, but I think they, they cut, because there's the yeah, monologue that, 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 that first two paragraphs are daunting. Like just me yeah. thinking about like having to memorize that is just. <sighs> well, it's not that I, I always overwrite, but I mean, uh, yeah, memor memorization is not a big deal, but it's just a lot. And, and, and time passes as you'll, you know, when you yeah. go and look at the recording, you'll see how much time has passed yeah. here at, when she was reading it. And, you can only go but so fast. Yeah. So this, then some words have to go away. All right. But I'd rather give people more to, and yeah. let them cut than, than you know, not have enough there. So. All right. Uh, I think that's everything I have. All right. Very thank cool. Well, thank you so much thank for you. having me. Thank you for being this the first fun. waitstaff rep. <laughs> now tell the others. <laughs> right. I did it and I live to tell about it. Right. Thanks, Eric. You can like The Waitstaff on Facebook, facebook.com slash thewaitstaff, or check their website, which is simply thewaitstaff.com. Eric will be appearing on the one-man show, Joan Crawford in Her Own Words, written by Michael McHugh and directed by Peter Tupizza during the 2017 Fringe Festival later this year. And don't forget, Dorn Philly Sketchfest at Thursday at 10 p.m., in fact, there will be a live edition of my first sketch. 
My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com or on Twitter at phlsketchfest. Also, for more information about comedy in Philly, head to woodercooler.com. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Now go see some comedy.